Ah, uh, there they are. Hello. Hello. This lady found her dress yesterday. She did. I did. She just had like the best dress experience. I really did. Good. Like she didn't have to go. She didn't have to like, it wasn't stressful. No. Nobody was like rude. It was like, she was, it was a good, like the the girl helping her was Paige. She was great. We love Paige. Love Paige. She um, just only had to go to one shop. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Which is incredible. She did it. Yeah. She did a great job. It was super fun. My sister-in-law snuck in a bottle of champagne. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Love that. I you ran, guys. I ran, I ran to Pita Pit and got some cups. Got some water cups. Yeah. Love Pita Pit. Um, did you end up getting something along the lines of what you want, thought you wanted or something totally different? No, actually. Penelope wanted to see a dress just because she wanted to see what it looked like on a person. Um, and I, and that's the, that's the one. Oh my gosh. Really? That's so yeah, funny. weird. I love it. Oh my gosh. It's it's so, was so funny when we met up with everyone again afterwards. Everyone was like, did you say yes to the dress? <laughs> it was like, it was like Mac Sh- Shulman, like Perry, his girlfriend. Everyone was like, did you get a dress? We were no, like, like, yeah. Yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> like oh, that's so fun. Yeah. It was super fun. All right. Shall we get to it? Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. Dive, dive right in. So this is a special, special history happy hour is it because two of us are in the same room same room and it's been we counted it has been six six years years since elizabeth and i have been in the same room i was actually wondering about that when was the last isn't that gross we had like a little reunion at dinner last night yeah when was the last time you guys were together New Year's, New Year's Eve, Eve 2014, 2014 going oh. into 15. <coughs> That's right. Yeah. That was quite a night. Quite yeah. I, I got to night. retell the story about how I was just straight talking shit. And then Julie's face went from to, was like, oh, geez, <laughs> that person's right behind me. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Oh my God. Yeah. I, that, that, that was like something out of a movie. Like it truly was. Cause it was genuinely like, oh no, he's he's here. Yeah. You were like talking shit about a boy. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then my face changes and you go, he's right behind me. And I was like, yeah. and what were the odds? What were the odds? If it was going to happen to anybody, it was going to happen to us. That's true. That's <laughs> true. So he turned around and you're like, my new year's resolution is to not talk shit. Oh no. Yeah. I turned a- around and he was like, well, I was going to say hi, but maybe you don't want me to. Yeah. And was that's just exactly like, what he said. Hey! It was, okay to see you. It was a hey, weird, okay, very very weird interaction. So enough, um, of, enough of that. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna bring this closer. Julie, how's our sound? I think it's good. Good. Yeah. All right. So, um, February is Black History Month. Yes, it is. So it is. our history happy hour today is about Josephine Baker. Um, the famed vaudevillian performer who was low-key a French resistance spy. Love that. I didn't know anything about her. I'm ready. Okay. 
So um, the, all the info from this episode uh, was found on the National World War II Museum website, the National Women's History Museum website, which if anybody out there on our airwaves is a teacher, it's a great resource um, with lots of curriculum and lesson planning notes, fun fact. Oh, and a sweet little blog called A Mighty Girl, which had some- that. Josephine little... is a bad bitch. Yeah, had some little fun facts. Damn. She is. So Josephine was born, um, this is either Freda or Freda, or Frida, I'm not sure. Um, Josephine McDonald in 1906 to two vaudeville entertainers in St. Louis, Missouri. Her parents would often bring her with them on stage when she was a child, sparking her love of entertaining. Sadly, her parents' careers never really took off, so Josephine was forced to start working at a young age to help the family survive, which was obviously a very common happenstance at that point in time. So especially her parents for were performers. Hmm? So her parents were performers. Yes, her parents were um, vaudeville performers. What does that mean? What does that mean? So vaudeville was like a, like a traveling, like repertory type show that would happen, like turn of the century, 1900s, 1920s. Like people that like, like Charlie them. Chaplin was originally like a vaudevillian performer, like, like, do, like do, 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 and like a theater troupe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, and it's all that fun little like like doop 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 like yeah. that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> someone tap dancing. I don't right. know. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, when she wasn't able to source odd jobs to do for cash, um, she would dance in the streets for money. And eventually her routines caught the attention of an African-American theater troupe and she was invited to perform with them. Mm. Um, so at 15, she's like, adios, I'm out of here. I'm going to go travel with this African-American theater troupe Fancy. Um, as a dancer. And at the age of 15, through this theater troupe, she marries a man named William Howard Baker at 15 years old. She, she, is she was 15? It gets weirder. Oh, um, and she takes his last name and she drops the Frida. Um, it should be mentioned, this is where it gets weirder, that she was married once before at the totally appropriate age of 13. <gasps> when was this? It, what, what, what were the dates here? This would have been, so she was born in 1906. This would have been like the like 20s. So that's still 1920s. not okay. No. no, and it also just never mentioned what happened to her original husband, and it, I don't know his age either. Hmm. So, I mean, maybe he, like, died or something. I don't know. I, it, it, neither here nor there. It's still weird. Yeah. Um, so she becomes a very successful dancer um, and tons of vaudeville shows, and she rides this wave to New York City, where she becomes an active participant in the Harlem Renaissance, um, which was this um, sort of beautiful black like artistic cultural movement that was happening in lower Man or upper Manhattan and Harlem um, and it was fantastic so you have you know your Langston Hughes's all the jazz it was very very cool and she Fun became fact um, yeah. CJ Walker everybody know who CJ Walker is Madam CJ Walker um, her daughter whose first name escapes me what ended up being like a major artist in the Harlem Renaissance it's a very cool, um, it's like a very cool point in American history. That a um, lot of people don't know about or talk about. No, they really don't. Yeah. Um, so in a few short years, she um, becomes the highest paid chorus girl in all of vaudeville, which is amazing because she's black mm -hmm. and she is like raking in the dough. Um, and she becomes so popular because her performances are like kind of risque and she's a little bit like of an exotic dance feel. Um, and people think it's really cool because obviously the twenties was sort of about this, like, you know, sort of 
sexually empowering kind of yeah time, women women could be at the time like burlesque women, yes yeah. burlesque chic um birth control and all that birth control and all that love like lots of like nipple tassels yeah There's some nipple tassels oh that's Josephine <laughs> oh I thought you were gonna pull out some nipple tassels <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> um sure um so her her rising popularity gives her the chance to perform in Paris with an uh, an all-black review mm. um so upon her arrival in France, she is pleasantly surprised to learn that she and her compatriots can sit anywhere they want on the train. That's, yeah. It's wild when we think about segregation. Yeah. So she gets to France and she's like, back of the train. And they're like, I don't know, is that where you want to sit? They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, je ne parle anglais. train. train. cigarettes. Um. That's my very good French. Four years wasted. Yeah. Uh, while living in Paris, she becomes a member of a large group of American expats who would become known as the Lost Generation. This group inc included literary figures like Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, F. Scott Fitzgerald's scary wife Zelda, um, Gertrude Stein, all of these like amazing authors who we had to read by force in high school. I didn't know that they were all expats. Yeah, so um, they all essentially left America at the same time because they were just kind of like fed up with it. They're like, oh, I'm just so bored with this like ritzy American life. Like it's so, I want to go live something different. Um, oh, and fun fact about that group. So Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald were like best friends. I didn't know that either. Yeah, um, but they had major issues in their friendship because Zelda Fitzgerald was like an absolute mess all the time. And Ernest Hemingway was like, your wife is trash. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they used to get into like public fights at bars and stuff. It was like a whole thing, which I mean, Ernest Hemingway really shouldn't say anything about it because he had a serious drinking problem. Well, and we know this now that, uh, yeah. you know, adults make their own choices and, and telling your friend that you don't like their spouse doesn't do anything good, I feel like. It really doesn't. And it wasn't just like, Hey, I don't care for your wife. It was like, your wife is a piece of shit. Oh yeah. Ernest, yeah. get it together. Come on. Yeah, I know. But it's okay. I mean, he ended up being fine. There's all those six-toed cats in the keys now. I know. They're yeah. Fine, right? I mean, sure he killed himself, but like. <laughs> he seemed to have, he, he seemed to have a nice fine. life up until then. That's fine. Yeah. Um, over time, she becomes the most successful entertainer in France. And it is widely assumed that she even became the wealthiest black woman alive. Wow. Yeah. Of her time. Of her time. Yeah. So she would have been the wealthiest black woman like of her time. Yeah. In 1928, she sets off on a European tour that included a stop in Vienna. Um, Hitler is already on the rise to power and his racist and xenophobic ideology is sweeping across Central Europe, especially Germany and Austria. I spell Germany with two M's. German Germany. Wait, can we just think for a second about how, what that would be like, like, oh, I left America where segregation's still a thing and Jim Crow laws are rampant and, you know, the black man is being suppressed. And then I come to Europe and I can sit anywhere on the bus, but then, oh, wait. Oh, wait, comes, there's more. <laughs> oh, wait, here comes this white dude trying to kill all of the Jewish people in Europe. Yeah, here comes this like bad Charlie Chaplin impersonator who's just trying to bring... <laughs> 
trying yeah. to bring everybody down. I just, that would just be really a huge letdown to like think that you're like, it's oh, such a bummer. Things are so much better over here than being like, oh, maybe everything's just shit everywhere. Yeah, like, um, nothing is good. Nothing is good right now. Nothing this is, is really just a dark time and the world is a dark time anywhere you, you went, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, and I will say too, sidebar, but still sort of Nazi Germany, Austria thing. Um, because Christopher Plummer died, we watched The Sound of Music naturally. Yeah. And Kyle was like, I don't understand. How is he the naval captain of a landlocked country? And I was like, let me tell you about the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And he was like, why did I open this? He was like, I need to stop asking questions. Yeah. I said, the reason he's a naval captain is because at the time, Croatia, Yugoslavia, all of these countries that are on the sea there, Adriatic Sea? Sure. Why not? Sounds right. We're part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, so they would have had to have a navy. And that is how Captain Von Trapp became a naval captain. Love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> this, this is my favorite thing to tell people. And this has been The Sound of Music. This has been The Sound of Music <laughs> with Liesl's racist boyfriend. Um, so while riding from a train to her hotel in Vienna, uh, she's met with hostility and protesters calling her a black devil. I tried to Google what that was in German. It sounded bad. Yeah, well, let's it not. Bad, not in German. Sounds bad, not in German. But I really, <laughs> I wanted to get the German effect though. You know how harsh that language is? It's yeah. just, like, um, and then you were like, this is something that doesn't need to be said. Yeah, and I yeah, just, I also enough. just can't pronounce it. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. She later went on to say the scene reminded her of race riots she witnessed in St. Louis as a child. So all of these things that she was trying to escape are now sort of following her to Europe. Yeah, that's, that's not good. At the beginning of World War II, um, so obviously World War II was a thing in Europe before it was here in the States. So like 1937, 38 is when stuff started to go awry over there. Um, her career gets put on hold and she marries her third husband. No information is listed about what happens Wait, to the other two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming they divorce. It's just, for all we know, she's just like, yep, single. Why? Oh my God. You think I'm not? Are they just dying of mysteriously of dysentery or something? Um, I have a feeling that when she decided she was going to move to Europe, he was probably like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, so she marries a wealthy Jewish sugar broker named Jean Leon. I love that. Um, so now our girl Josephine wholly represents everything the Nazi ideology hates. She's a successful one of color who is openly bisexual. Um, and she's married to a wealthy Jewish man. Oh, wait, hold on. Did we, did we, when, did we, we, did we already know that she was bisexual or is this the first no, time? No, it was, it's, I'm going to get into that. Okay. So prior to her marrying her husband, she was frequently involved in like illustrious affairs with women. And even while she was married, she like still like kept like, I guess like hooking up with ladies finger banging oh it just bums me out so much man <laughs> oh the term yeah yeah I'm not a yeah. big fan of that one either and then from the other side of the house Matt was like how do you feel about finger blasting and I was like <laughs> still bums me out like, still not a fan <laughs> still of that bums me out, dude um so that's fascinating I didn't even know this is probably really silly of me that like anybody would be openly like not hetero back in that day 
Yes, but I will say the French have always been rather laissez-faire, if you yeah, will. Yeah, that's true. It, it their, like sexual prowess. Yeah. I, they did invent yeah. the blowjob, so. They did, uh, that's true. They did, it was invented in the French court. Yeah. Um, so when the Germans invade Paris, she and her husband flee to the south of France because it's no longer safe for them there. Um, during her stay in southern France, she becomes acquainted with Jacques Arte, the head of French counter-military intelligence. Um, and he asks her to help the French resistance and their espionage efforts. So Josephine immediately accepts, proclaiming, France made me what I am. I will be grateful forever. The people of Paris have given me everything. And for that, I am ready, Captain, to give them my life. You can use me as you wish. Wow. So from then on, she begins performing acts of tradecraft, which is my favorite word, um, against the Nazis. What are acts of tradecraft? So tradecraft is the technical term for spy things. Oh. Yeah. So that's like what the CIA and the FBI use. So um, very specific reference in uh, Zero Dark Thirty, when they're tracking all those phone calls going back and forth from, you know, the caves to yeah. uh, Kandahar and whatnot. Um, them like using burner phones and like trading out different cars and stuff. That's tradecraft. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she starts in, you, engaging in acts of tradecraft, which is just spy stuff. Cool. Um, so uh, she's at this point housing resistance fighters at her chateau in the south of France, um, and she's supplying them with visas so they can openly travel. Um, she's attending parties and diplomatic functions, including um, events at the Italian embassy that would bring her into the high orbit, uh, into the orbit of high-ranking Axis bureaucrats. So the Axis powers were um, Italy and Germany and. Uh, Europe and then Japan on the Pacific um, theater. So um, she collected information on German troop movements and what harbors or airfields air were currently in action. Um, Josephine was confident that her celebrity and connections would protect her and that no one would suspect her of espionage. Why? Because she's a lady. I mean, fair. She wrote down intelligence on her hands and arms, pinning notes inside her underwear even. Girl. Um, she did so knowing she would never face a strip search because they didn't want to touch a black person. Wow. Oh. And she was right. That's both sad and really smart of her. I know. She's like, they're not going to want to touch me. They think I'm dirty. So guess what? She's like, I'm going to ride that wave. She's like, she's yeah. like, I was going to put a note. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that spycraft in your pocket? You just happy to see me. The Nazis <laughs> had gotten wind of the resistance activity happening at Josephine's Chateau and um, they visited the estate. So a bunch of Nazis show up. Um, she's still hiding several resistance fighters at this time. Is she she's married wealthy. Yeah, she yeah. is. She's very wealthy. Okay. Yeah. Um, she successfully charms the Nazis when they question her, um, but she took the encounter as like kind of a sign to like get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. Um, so uh, Apte, the lead spy for French counter-military military counterintelligence, the one who hired her, um, contacts Charles de Gaulle, who's the lead general for France, um, and he instructs that both Apte and Baker, and um, Baker's husband, travel to London via Lisbon because Portugal was neutral. Um, and between the two of them, the pair carried over 50 classified documents and secret intelligence. And Josephine carried hers by writing the information down in invisible ink on her sheet music. Who, who gets invisible ink? It's just like lemon juice and pee, I think. 
<laughs> and then how do you, you how do you view it? Heat. Um, have you, you, you would have warm you, it up. Have you never seen what's it called? The the, the ISIL Declaration of Independence movie, the National Treasure. Nicholas Cage. Uh, Nicholas Cage. That's right. Are we gonna try to make our own invisible ink then? <laughs> Next, we should next next week next, next week, week on Spaghetti Heads podcast. Somebody <laughs> like when I got flustered and they asked me, "What do you do for a job?" And I said, "I teach science, kind of." <laughs> just yell that at people. Piss in a cup, and then we'll get some lemon juice and see if it works. Yeah. Um. So after D Day, she returns to Paris. Um, she's gifted a military uniform by the French army because of her participation. That's snazzy. Um, and she returns to France wearing her Spain, like her fancy brand new lady military uniform. Um, and she takes note about how terrible the city looks post Nazi occupation. And she's like, something has to be done. Paris is struggling. The poor people of Paris are struggling. I gotta do something. So she begins selling jewelry and valuables to raise money to help the poor citizens survive. Um, and then after Germany's surrender, she is awarded the Croix, de, the Croix de Guerre and the Rosette de la Resistance, two medals of honor for French military members. Um, so rarely do civilians receive these awards. Wow. Um, and she was even named to the Chevalier de Légion d'Honneur, which is their highest military honor. Thanks. So like it is akin to our Presidential Medal of Freedom. Got it. Or being a um, like a knight of the garter in England. So Despite her great honors in France, she was met with little to no recognition and pomp and circumstance upon her return to the US. Um, she was forced to confront segregation, discrimination, and hatred. After realizing how her homeland hadn't changed, she took up the fight for civil rights and became a prominent um, figure in the movement. So she comes home, she realizes that the US is still not getting better. And she's like, listen, I've seen the light. I lived in France. We can do better than this. Um, in 1963, she was one of two women who were allowed to speak at the March on Washington. In her speech, she details her life as a black woman in 20th century America and quite plainly states, you know, friends, that I do not lie to you when I tell you I have walked into the palaces of kings and queens and into the houses of presidents and much, much more. But I could not walk into a hotel in America and get a cup of coffee. And quite frankly, that made me mad. There. She would continue to speak out against racism and discrimination for the rest of her life. Um, in 1975, she performed her final dance show to a totally sold out audience that was completely desegregated. And she received a standing ovation. Hell yeah. She died shortly after on April 12th, 1975, having led the fullest life of any human I had ever stumbled across. Wow. Yeah, like that's a lot. Yeah, she was bad bitch. In fact, it says here, Josephine Baker, all around bad bitch. All around and all, all around. I'm on her Wikipedia page and it's She's like, fascinating. Like Beyonce portrayed Baker in, <laughs> in certain times. Like it's she's still very relevant in current pop culture. They are making a movie about her. I was just gonna say her life needs to be made into a movie. The, for the, sure. the pretty the pretty black Irish girl whose That's name what they're calling it? No, 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 I'm the actress who's playing her is the pretty black Irish girl whose name I can't, I think it's like Netta or um, God, what movie was she in? Um, Love, she was in the movie Love versus the- I'm Googling. The one, or, or no, Loving versus the state. It was like a, like a Supreme Court case where she and her husband were in a marriage and they were trying to, they lived in Virginia. 
she played the wife. So it looks like there's a documentary, Josephine Baker, The Story of an Awakening, that was made in 2018. Ooh, is it on any of our streaming networks? I'm Googling. Yeah, I can't find where to watch the documentary. It's like not giving me streaming services. That's, um, that's very upsetting. Yeah. Did you find who's playing her in the movie? I'm doing that right now. She's amazing. Yeah. 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 There's like so many different like spider webs, I feel like, inside her story. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. We forgot she was in that episode of Lovecraft Country. Leone Simaga? Is that her? No. That's not her. It's going to bother me now. And I can't remember this girl's name for the life of me. We'll find it and we'll post it on social. But this is fascinating. But I appreciate that she, like, was able to go over to France and, like, have her own life and, like, her yeah, own, like, absolutely. sense of freedom with these, like, expats that are all, like, fuck that. We're, uh, we're going to do our own thing. I appreciate that. Here's mm-hmm. a question that's random. Sure. How would one get to Europe in the 20s? Would you boat. take a Titanic? You would, would take a steamship. Gosh, that does not sound fun. Yeah, you would have taken a steamer ship. Um, there wasn't like com- there wasn't a lot of commercial like flight at the time. Um, if you were going from one place in Europe to another, do you know what you would have taken if you didn't take the train? You would have ridden the Zeppelin. What's it's that? Just a hot air balloon. Just I would love to ride a hot air balloon. Could you imagine that being your commute? A hot air balloon over the city of Paris. Well, you can't do it anymore because they would fill them with hydrogen and the hydrogen is highly flammable. And naturally you have to heat things up to lift them. And that's what happened with the Hindenburg. It blew up. Yeah. So Zeppelin travel, not safe. Cool though. Don't do it. Don't do it. So that's when I started filling them with helium. But helium doesn't last as long as hydrogen. So... It's a whole hmm. thing. On another note, Julie, did you watch Reggae's uh, SNL? No, I haven't watched it yet. We yeah. watched it this morning. It was kind of a flop. No, really? Also, his name is Reggae, which I didn't anticipate. I thought it was Reggie. I thought it was Reggie, too. No, because I've watched enough Bridgerton um, interviews where what's uh, Phoebe Dryer, Dryer Bridge? Dryer something? Uh, 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 dine, dine, uh, it's not Phoebe because you're it's Dynaver. Phoebe Dine. It, you're getting her mixed up with Phoebe Waller Bridge. Oh God. <laughs> I just combine their though. names. Um, she she'll talk about it. She'll be like and reggae and yeah. So I did find out that it's reggae. Oh, just, yeah, I had no you know. idea. There was there was only like one good one sketch. good sketch. Um. I think I, I liked the one Pete Davidson where they were like the weird, creepy intimacy counselors or whatever. Yeah, it was. they were like, they were like, listen, Bridgetown, you take her from behind. <laughs> so I'll have to. So they have these terrifying voices. Um, I also thought that the Ryan Reynolds episode, or not Ryan Reynolds, something, a John Krasinski episode was a letdown. I didn't think it was very good. I thought it was a letdown too. I thought Regina oh. King did a good job. Oh, I liked her. Oh my God, Regina King's was so good. Yeah. Hers was good. And then who was the week before her? It was Dan Levy. Yeah. Oh, Dan Levy was good was too. Great too. That Zillow yeah. one just hit me. Oh, but the but the the it gets better, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> it gets better ish. Yeah. Ish, the the yeah. stuff with Kate McKinnon and the, the goddamn the iguana. iguana. Oh, my <laughs> oh, and so I good. loved I loved uh, his monologue with yes know, with, with his dad yeah in the box. Oh, he's mm. just great. Well, I think, I think that we're going to be 
um, Elizabeth, CJ, and I were texting today. I don't know if she told you. Our next history happy hour will be kind of tied into sports. Yeah. It's, yeah, go sports. Go sports. Go it was sports. actually a recommendation from Brandon. So, Brandon, should we, had a should we have him on? <laughs> <laughs> <If> he <wanted. laughs> He'll be like, like Hello, I am Brandon. I recommended this. He'll be like, Hello, <laughs> golf. What, Why don't we have Brandon do the monologue? What oh, monologue? Can Brandon be our cold open? <laughs> He'll be like, Yeah, golf, sports. And then that's it. <laughs> but yeah, like, guys. Brandon. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm actually really excited for it. I know it was interesting. I was reading the article he sent me and I was like, huh, I never knew this. So, well, I can't wait to be surprised about it. Knowledge and power, the more, you know, Oh, should we start splashing that across the, the, the more, more, you know, know. with the, the rainbow? Know. Yeah. With the rainbow. <laughs> well, follow us on Instagram at spaghetti heads podcast. Follow us on Twitter at spaghetti underscore heads. Send your embarrassing stories to spaghetti heads podcast at look.com and cheers. 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 Cheers with my waters. <laughs>